Father, we do come to you today asking that you will speak to us through your word. That you will be the voice that we hear. We ask that you will speak now. As we open your word, may it speak to us in ways that we've never thought possible. May we see you in ways that are fresh and new. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You have heard the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. You have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone, everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. These are words from Jesus himself. And today we know that many of us remember a few years ago when there was this great debate on the Ten Commandments. There were people wanting the Ten Commandments to be in the courthouses. They were wanting the Ten Commandments to be on, on public property. And there was a great outcry for the Ten Commandments. We had signs in our yards and bumper stickers and it was everywhere. The Ten Commandments, right? Nobody said, let's put up what Jesus said in Matthew 5. We like the simple, you shall not commit murder or you shall not commit adultery. But when it comes to, if you look at a woman and glance at her twice, guys, you already committed adultery in your heart. We don't want to plaster that up in public and around now, do we? Let's just be honest now. <laughs> But these Ten Commandments, how do they relate to us? And, and how do we connect it with what Jesus has said here? Because it's all very important. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is approached by a lawyer. And he asks a great question. This lawyer, this uh, Sadducees lawyer, one of the, them a lawyer in verse 35 of 22 of Matthew. If you want to turn there. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, Teacher, which is the greatest, which is the great commandment in the law? 613 of them, which one's the greatest? And he said to, the, to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he threw something in extra. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we could stop there, and you've heard many people stop right there. And last week we looked at the first four commandments and how it had to do with loving God. But I want you to look at what else Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 22. He says, verse 40, On these two commandments, which are what? Love God, Love people. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Jesus says all of the commandments, all of the laws, all of the prophets fall down to these two things. Love God, love people. 
So today I come to you and I ask you, how relevant are these Ten Commandments to us today on this side of the cross? What about the other 603 laws that are in the Old Testament? What do we do with them? How do we wrap them up? How do we look at them? Because Jesus obviously said in Matthew 5, He came to clarify them. We saw last week the very first four in Exodus chapter 20. If you want to go ahead and turn there, because that's where we will be focusing today. The very first four has to do with loving God and God being first and foremost. And we saw some great things last week in the scriptures in regards to that. But today I want us to look at the horizontal commandments. Last week, if you remember, I told you about the vertical commandments, which are, are the first four, and today's the horizontal. So the first four was love God and honor God, right? Guess what the, the next six are? Let's just take a wild guess today. It's a pop quiz. What do you think the next six should be when it comes to the horizontal commandments? We are to, to say it, love people. You're absolutely right. Love people. So I want us to go through these next six, just verse by verse, and walk through them. So as we look here today, let's begin with verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. This is actually a positively stated commandment. If you haven't noticed, the first three are negatively stated. Then you have two positively stated. And then the rest are negatively stated. In other words, they say, do not do this, do not do that. That's the negative statement. And here, these next six begins positively. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Or as my mama said, I brought you in this world, boy, and I'll take you out. I'll never forget one time when I looked at my mama when I was a teenager, and I said, she told me to do something, and I look, looked at her and I said, and what if I don't? I want you to know my 411 mama, she reached over and grabbed the nearest thing she could find, and it was a two-before. I never, ever said that to my mama again. <laughs> Honor your father and your mother. Why would God start here with this relationship, this horizontal relationship with our mom and dad? Because our mothers and our fathers are important to us. I know for a fact that many people, they didn't have good moms and good dads. How do you honor them? How do you honor that mom and dad that may have abandoned you or died or may be in prison? It's a great question. I'd love to talk to you about that after the service. But here's what I think is beautiful. When I see someone honoring their parents when they're adults as well, it does not mean that we obey our parents for the rest of our life. So let me give you a, just a, a breath of fresh air here. It doesn't mean you have to obey everything they say for the rest of your life. Honoring them is whenever they are old and they need help, you help them. You go and you change their light bulbs. You call them. You, you help them the best you can. You, you, you are there for them as it is uh, uh, able for you to do that. So he begins with, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. God was giving them a land. He had promised it in the Ten Commandments. See, we only see honor your father and your mother, but it came with this promise. It's going to be good for you if you do this in the land that I'm going to give you. Verse 13, you shall not murder. You know what I would like to do? I'd like to, 
explain this to you in the Clyde translation in a positive way. Value life. You shall not murder equals valuing life because God is the giver of life. We should not be the ones to take life. Across our nation, there is murder that takes place every day. Whether it be an unborn baby or a, a child or an adult, murders take place every day. And God specifically said, you should not murder. Why? We should value life. The next one, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Do I really have to explain this one? I think we understand that one. Here's a little tidbit. Did you know that there was a translation before the King James that when they put it together on the printing press and they put it out for the people, they let out, left out the word not right there? I'm waiting for somebody to actually get that. That's, that's a real translation that was really put out as a Bible and they had to call them all back. That was definitely a recall moment. You shall not commit adultery. Why? Because we should value commitment. God wants us to value a commitment there. Value the understanding that we are committed to one another. There is no other. Faithfulness as well. How about the next one? He said, you shall not steal. That is valuing. It is like being okay with what God has given you. You should not steal is to say, okay, God has given me what he's given me and I'm not going to steal from others to get more. How about when we are working and we goof off and we don't actually, we're getting paid to do something and we're not doing it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's stealing. Whenever we kind of fudge a little bit on, on, on the taxes, that's stealing. Whenever we go to the store and they give us back too much change and we go, well, that's their problem. That's stealing. We need to be honest because God expects His people to be honest. Why is that? We're going to get to that in a second. Verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You should not say things that aren't true about your neighbor, about other people. All these have to do with loving people. Verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That is really learning to be content with God, what God has given you. We find these principles in the New Testament. So looking at these Ten Commandments, how do they apply to us today? What do they really mean to us? God gave us the Ten Commandments in response to who He is and what He had done, so they are important. They're very important for our lives. Many of you are probably sitting there saying, Woo, you know what? I'm doing pretty good if I was to check it off. I haven't murdered anybody. Good for you. I haven't stolen anything. Great. But let me go back to what Jesus said that I read earlier when it came to murder. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, You have heard it was said from old, You shall not commit murder. But he, he said, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. See, when we look at the Ten Commandments as they're written down here and as we see them in the Old Testament, they are the minimum standard for, for a right standing with God so that we can have fellowship with Him. 
Jesus came to clarify and said there's much more to it than just the surface action, but there's an attitude that is involved. See, God wanted to protect them from their, themselves because they, they were in rebellion. They rebelled from the time that they were delivered until this moment. They were rebelling against God, and God wanted to clarify some things. When God becomes marginalized, listen to me, when God becomes marginalized, more chaos will interrupt in, erupt in society. When God becomes marginalized and pushed to the edge and He's no longer important, chaos will be part of the society. Can I get an amen? I mean, because look at what's going on in our country right now and around us. It's because God has been pushed to the edge. He's been marginalized. And these commandments have been, these are for your house. They're not for your life. God is the one that they pushed out, not the commandments. Because these, according to Scripture, have been written on our hearts. They can't get rid of what's in our heart. But they're trying, and they've tried, and they've tried. And they've been quite successful in pushing God to the margin. And what ensues is absolute chaos. They disregard God. And that disregard to, for God is manifested in disregard for each other, for one another. There will be division when you push God to the edges. Tony Evans said something that I thought was quite powerful, and I want to say it to you, and you may want to write this down. This is a principle you can live with every day. If people will go left on God, they will go left on you. Did you hear me? If people will go left on God, they will go left on you. In other words, if they will abandon God and walk away and say, God is not the center, He's not important, I'm going to disregard what He has said, and they treat God that way, do not expect them to treat you any better. If they go left on God, they will go left on you. And I dare say that if they go left on you, they've already gone left on God. So rebellion against God is re revealed in rebellion toward other people. This lack of loving other people, lack of loving others, is something that Jesus addressed. He said to love God and to love people. He said it summarizes everything. We see it in the Ten Commandments. So as we march forward and we say, I love God, I must ask you to measure how are you loving people. I want us to look at the law and what it is today. What is the law exactly? How would you describe it? If I was to say, what is the law? What, what is the Ten Commandments? Is it something to get you into heaven? I hope everybody would say no, because we talked about that last week. The Ten Commandments, the 613 laws, were never promised and given to get us into heaven. Nowhere will you find in Scripture. I haven't found it, so if you find it, please let me know where it says that if you obey every single law, you're going to go to heaven. We know that it's impossible to obey all of them except for Jesus. He did that. But for us, what is the law? Well, the first thing I want to talk about with the law is that the law is a gauge. The law is a gauge. I have in my hand here a good gauge, one that we're all familiar with. This is a measuring tape. And on this gauge, there are certain numbers. Now, what I would like to do is I'd like to sit here and go, look, uh, here I am 170 feet tall. 
Right there it says it. See, it says 170. Usually that is right. One, I am 170 feet tall. Man, buddy just thought he had something on me being six foot two, but I'm 170. Bam, I got him beat. All of you are laughing because that's silly, isn't it? Because I'm measuring it against a standard that's not correct, right? There has to be a standard to understand and to actually put forth how we do things. And, and whenever we build something, when we build a great big tall building, gauges are important. Measurements are absolutely important. Things have got to be right or you'll come up a little short when it comes to putting everything together. There has to be a gauge for things to be built. God created boundaries so that there is a gauge and a standard by which things can be measured. So today, I want you to remember visually, what is the Ten Commandments if somebody asked you? The Ten Commandments is a gauge. See, again, I'm going to state it. The Ten Commandments is the minimum standard by which we can live life to its fullest. It is not the maximum. Jesus addressed the maximum, and that's the attitude of the heart. So the Ten Commandments is simply a gauge for us to be able to measure and to look at and to say, well, how well are we doing? By the way, pop quiz, just out of the blue. The Ten Commandments, does it say, thou shalt not lie? No, it does not say thou shalt not lie. It says you shall not bear false witness to your neighbor. So that was a pop quiz. We've heard that all of our life, right? And how many times have your mom and dad used that? The Bible says you shouldn't lie. Well, it's not one of the Ten Commandments, but it is a, it, it, it is a principle. One of the things I find interesting about these last six commandments is this. It speaks to the character of a person. And when the character of a person is broken, it's usually something that they repeat over and over and over. Someone who steals will steal again. Someone who says something that's not right about someone else will say something that's not right about you. Someone who is angry with someone for doing something, they're going to get angry at you for doing something. It reveals character flaws that people may have. It's, we have this gauge that gives us a determination of how we can measure up. Now look, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says this. It says, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. That's a pretty big standard. God says that himself. As a matter of fact, it comes from Leviticus chapter 11. God says, to be holy, for I am holy. You want to talk about a measuring stick, that's a pretty serious measuring stick. He says, be holy, for I am holy. He goes on to say, I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. This is who I am, and this is what I have done, and you are to be holy just as I am holy. See, the Ten Commandments are a reflection of who God is. And when we are walking in God's commandments and following Him because of love, and we're doing these things by loving people and loving God, you know what we're doing? We are actually acting like God and being God. We're being Jesus to people. So He says, Leviticus chapter 11, You shall be holy, for I am holy. That's a gauge. Now, I know 
there's probably no one listening or in this room that says, I'm holy. I'll be the first to say, I'm not perfectly holy. But I can tell you one thing, I've had the Holy Spirit applied to my life, living within me. And that Holy Spirit makes me holy before a living God and works to make me as holy as possible on this side of death. And I can find holiness through the Holy Spirit, not from checking off a list of Ten Commandments, but by living by the Holy Spirit to guide me, I will find myself doing things that line up with a lot of the commandments and a lot of the laws because I love God. He makes me holy. Be holy for I am holy. So what else is the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments is a gauge, but it is also a mirror. I have here a mirror. Many of us, when we look at a mirror, we look at it to see exactly what we look like. The mirror does not change us, now does it? I mean, when you stood before the mirror this morning, did it make your hair better looking? As a matter of fact, I want everybody to know, I got a message from Larry's wife who said she's going to make the first contribution for him to get a haircut. We are not going to look better simply because we look into a mirror. A mirror is not going to be the thing that will cause us to improve how we look and what we say and what we do. Sorry, I'm blinding everybody apparently. But this mirror. <coughs> You're all good looking, aren't you? See there? You can just see yourself, right? Right. Look how good looking y'all look. Oh. All of you out there, you're good looking. But this mirror is not going to change a thing about you. It will not make you look better. That's what the Ten Commandments... The Ten Commandments are not here to change us and make us look better. The Ten Commandments is there to show us who we are and where we are. When we look at these things and as Jesus explains them a little bit, when He talks about the attitude... Guys, I'm just going to speak to you very clearly. When you look at a girl as you're driving down the street, do you glance back and look again? Jesus says, uh-uh, don't do that. Bounce your eyes, look away. Don't let that be part of your life, Jesus says. Because it's not simply that you haven't had an affair. It's that you are looking and that feeds the flesh and the flesh will lead to destruction. So God is serious when he, he gives us this mirror so we can see and understand who we are. Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. It was given because sin already existed. It wasn't there so that sin could exist after. Sin was already there. We had already messed up. They were already doing things that wasn't pleasing to God. It was just there so they would be able to see themselves a little more clearly. Romans chapter 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. In other words, what he's saying is, I could understand sin better once I saw the law. But once he saw the law, he could understand exactly what he looked like and who he was. And compared to a holy God, that measure, we can find ourselves coming up short. Romans chapter 7, verse 13. 
It was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin. That's what the law was to do, to show us that it was sin. Through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. It would clearly reveal who we are. And it also reveals who God is. He is a holy God. The last thing is this. The law is not only a gauge, it's not only a mirror, but it's also a compass. I have in my hand here a compass. And no matter what I do, it's going to point north. I can turn this way and it's going to point north. It's going to give me direction even if it's dark. I cannot see stars. The GPS does not work. Lord knows, would we ever get anywhere without Google anymore. Or these map programs on our phones. We don't ask for directions anymore. We just ask for the address, don't we? Well, how do we get there except that there is a guide to get us there? The Ten Commandments and the law was designed to be a compass to point us to what I just read about. It was given until that seed that was promised was delivered. That is Jesus. Let me tell you, the Ten Commandments is a compass that points us directly north to Jesus Christ. He is the one that we find that we need once we look at the Ten Commandments, at the law in the Old Testament. We find that it points us to the one and only Jesus. The law of aerodynamics is this. You can take something that's really big and heavy like an airplane, a passenger jet that's several tons, and if you propel it fast enough and you do it just right, that thing will lift off the ground and start flying and you will be safe. First time I ever got into a passenger jet and flew, I was scared to death. I had never really seen one up close. But when I went to get on board that plane, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Something this big and this heavy, I'm going to be up in the air and it's going to fly around. The only thing I see fly like that are birds and they're flapping their wings like this. And, and they're light, but this thing is big. And I really got scared, Mike, when I was up there and I was sitting on the window seat. I'm just going to warn anybody who has not flown before, this is okay. You're sitting on the window seat and you look out and the wings of that plane are doing this. My first thought was, oh God, they're going to break off. What are we going to do? Lord, help me. I'm going to die. I was scared to death. Nobody explained to me it's okay for their wings to be moving. But when it comes to the aerodynamics there is still a law that exists even though you have aerodynamics. That is the law of gravity. The law of gravity is real and is pulling and it's got a hold of that plane, got a hold of all of us, and it's pulling us down. But because of aerodynamics, it's able to overcome that law of gravity. The law, of, the law that is given in the Old Testament was overcome because of Jesus Christ and grace. It overcomes that sin and that death. We have a compass that points to Jesus because we need to love God and love people. That's how they're all summed up. As we've been walking through Exodus, we can see how these people at times, I'll be very clear, they don't love Moses like they should. They want to gripe and complain all the time. And if they'll gripe and complain about Moses and to Moses, you know what they're probably doing at home? Griping and complaining to each other. They're not loving each other. See, it is a character thing that God reveals through the Ten Commandments. 
But what it does is it, 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 it measures, it reflects, and it points us to our need for Jesus. Without Jesus, we would all be lost. We would all not be able to find reconciliation with God. So today, we, we look at the Ten Commandments, and if you're ever asked, well, what is the Ten Commandments? Does it really matter today? I hope you can visualize and remember the three things. It's a gauge. It measures. It, it shows us what is the standard of what holiness really would look like. Two, it reflects on who we actually are in comparison to that standard. And third, it points us to Jesus. It does not save anybody. So no one can say, well, I've never told a lie. I've never killed anybody. I've, I've always tried to be good and I, I love God. Well, which God do you love? Those things will not get us to heaven. Only Jesus will. So the, the Ten Commandments, the, the law of the Old Testament is very relevant today. It is not to be disregarded. It is not to be overlooked. It is not be to left sitting on a shelf somewhere. It is to, to be brought forth to evaluate ourselves. And I'm going to take it back to what Jesus said. The greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Then he said in the second one, it's to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. That summarizes these Ten Commandments. Instead of Ten Commandments, why don't we put up, love God, love people. <clears throat> or if you really want get, to get to some people, let's get very specific as God would want us to be. Love Jesus, love people. If you love Jesus, you'll love people. If you're not loving people, we must wonder, do you fully love Jesus? You know, there's a lot of things for us to disagree with today. There's a lot of division in our country, a lot of division in our communities, and in our nation. There's a lot of opinions. But I'm here to declare to you, because there is such division, it is an indication, it is a, it is a symptom that God has been pushed to the margin of everything in our life. That it's not about God and Jesus <coughs> it's just about people and whether they agree. Whether you agree with my opinion or not. Whenever you remove the fear of God from people, the only thing left to fear is man. And that is a recipe for disaster. So what do we need to do with this? How do we deal with this? Well, since the Ten Commandments is the, the minimum standard, how do we deal with the law that we find in the Old Testament? And you can read chapters 21 and 22, and, and it, it just goes on and on. And it is amazing at the things that God addresses that is needed at that time. But they all are summarized in love God and love people. I believe we can answer two questions today. And I want to ask them to you. How well do you love God? How well are you loving God? And let me be more specific. How well are you loving Yahweh Elohim? Not God in general. Not God of this world or a God that other people have created or some universal God. What about Yahweh Elohim? Hey, Jesus himself. How well are you loving him? You can say, oh, I love him. Well, let me ask you about the... The things that will show. Where do you spend your time? 
Whenever you are worried and you need comfort, where do you go? Do you go to Christ? Or do you run to a phone? Or do you run to a friend or a neighbor? How well are you loving God? Is He a priority in your life? Is He number one? Is He first and foremost? Is there no other gods except for Him? Are there other idols in your life? Do you trust Him for your provisions? And the second question is this. <coughs> How well do you love people? Now, I'm just going to be very transparent. This question isn't about how well you love those people you like. This isn't about how well are you loving those people who, who agree with everything that you post and everything that you say. How well are you loving those people who disagree with you and you disagree with them? How well are you loving the people who are doing things that you absolutely don't agree with? Love is not simply measured by whether someone else is doing what I think they should do. God gave us no, no sense of an idea of where the love should stop. He just simply said to love God and to love people. And it gets hard. It gets uncomfortable and it gets uneasy. I am not up here and telling you, well, if someone is in the midst of sin, I'm to love them. You're to love them. You, you don't have to accept what they do, <coughs> but you still need to love them. So love God, love people. Because when we love people, we are carrying God's name with us. And as we read last week, we need to honor and carry it. Carry God's name and make it well known. John Wooden, Wooden said this, You can't live a perfect day without doing something for someone who will never be able to repay you. I think that's a great quote. It's a great concept and a great idea. You've never lived a perfect day until you've done something for someone who can never repay you for what you've done. So here's my challenge for you over the next seven days. Here's the challenge. Here it comes. Do something nice you normally would not do for someone. Maybe go get them a drink of water. <laughs> because they keep coughing. Do something nice for someone that you normally would not do. I'm not talking about doing something nice for your wife and you're doing something just like you've done before. You're already doing that. I'm talking about doing something for someone. Maybe you've never done something nice for them. Maybe they'll even not even know you've ever done it. Or someone that you do love, do something different that you've never done before. It may not be as simple as you think. But it will challenge you. I would challenge someone, if you're really bold, to do something nice for someone that you completely and totally don't like and you disagree with. Oh, why do I have to go and say that? I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm just challenging somebody to do it because that is a whole new level of loving God and loving people because the only way you can love somebody like that is how? 
through the strength of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what He's called us to do. That's what these commandments give us direction to do, is to love God and to love people. Gina, would you come and play just for a moment? Because today as we peer at the Ten Commandments and we take into account how they relate to our life today, they are not a list to be checked off to make us look good. They are there to reveal our need for Jesus in our life every day. Because if it was not for the Holy Spirit in Jesus, I probably would have broken every one of those. I come from a family, I found out and I've shared with many of you, I had no idea that my grandfather had committed murder and got away with it all of his life. He did. Broke my heart. If there was a family who lost someone in their life, they never knew who it was that took their loved one's life, and it was my grandfather. I know what stock I come from to realize that if it wasn't for the grace of God, I sure would not be up preaching in a church. If it was not for the grace of God, I would not have the compassion and mercy. If it not for the grace of God, I would not be married to a wonderful woman like Jane who has helped me understand what it means to love people on a deeper level. Jesus came to serve and He left the example for us to do the same. So the challenge today is, will you embrace it and pick it up and say, but with God's strength and the Holy Spirit, I'm going to love people this week like I've never loved them before. Will you pray with me, Father? I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. Right now, Lord, as we have our head bowed and our eyes closed, Lord, I just feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to allow you to speak to our life the name of someone we need to love this week and do something for. Don't dismiss that name. God has just given you the name of someone you need to do something for to love them this week. And the more uncomfortable you are with it, the more it's from God Himself. Maybe there's nobody that you'd be uncomfortable loving this week. Maybe He will give you a place or an opportunity for you to love someone like you've never loved them before. For we're never more like God than when we love unconditionally. So let us go and serve others. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that it has spoken to us today. Spoken to us in a way that we will live differently, transformed, challenged. To put it into practice and not just simply see the Ten Commandments as something to hang on the wall. But as a reminder that we are to love you and to love people. Touch our hearts, change our minds. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.